Well, good morning, y'all, and happy Resurrection Day. Thank you. Guys, what an incredible day to be able to celebrate our Lord's resurrection, His life, His death, passion, and resurrection from a tomb. <clears throat> Guys, this, uh, this Easter Sunday is um, the, the apex of our belief as Christians, as Catholics, um, and it all was building up from Holy Thursday, then Good Friday, to Easter Sunday. On Holy Thursday, we recall the time that Jesus um, gave us the Last Supper. He instituted the Holy Eucharist. We see that where Jesus in that gospel on Holy Thursday said that he loved his own and he loved them until the end. He loved us to the end, right? And it began right there that Jesus loves us to the end by giving us a church. He loves us to the end by giving us the Holy Eucharist. Jesus loved us to the end on Holy Thursday night by instituting the Holy Priesthood. Jesus loved us to the very end by giving us the Word of God to instruct us along the way so we can be with Him for all of eternity. On Holy Thursday, Jesus loves us to the end as He's taken out into the garden and arrested, scourged, crowned with thorns and beaten, emptying Himself completely for us. Jesus' love for us was absolutely incredible as that night on Holy Thursday, He loves us to the end. That leads us right into Good Friday where we come and we celebrate the death of our Lord on the cross. This incredible experience where God, the God-man, Jesus Christ, comes and lays down His life for us, taking upon Himself the sin that was upon the entire world. The chastisements were laid upon Him. And He loved us to the end. By lying down on the cross, having his sacred heart pierced by the lands. But then he was laid in the tomb. And it was in that tomb that all sorts of things began to happen. Because at the end of that moment, there's the day today, Easter Sunday. There's this day that happens where the women go and they go to prepare his body for his burial and they see that the tomb is empty. The stone was rolled away. And this is the incredible and the great mystery of our faith. This is what separates us as Catholics, as Christians, from all other world religions is the fact that God became man. And in that he suffered death, was buried, and rose again from the dead. You see, no other religion can say that. No other world religion can say that. Buddha can't say that. He was not risen from the dead. The Dalai Lama can't say that. Wasn't risen from the dead. As Christians, as Catholics, this is the one claim that we can say changes everything. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're all wasting our life. If the resurrection didn't happen, then, then I've wasted my life as a priest. I could have done a whole lot of other things. You see, this is the pivotal point that makes a Christian a Christian and a believer in who Jesus Christ is. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, then what he did on that cross was nothing different than a criminal's death, an execution by the Romans. You see, if the resurrection didn't happen, then Jesus Christ went about doing a whole lot of good things. He went about and even performed a few miracles here and there. He went about and healed the blind and the leopards and the lame. He even rose a couple of people from the dead, and that's really a cool thing. But if the resurrection didn't happen, then he was just a really good miracle worker. And if the resurrection didn't happen, then what he 
experienced on the cross was nothing more than a criminal's death. A man who claimed to be God, blasphemed against the Jewish religion, and died. C.S. Lewis tells us that if Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, that if he was just an ordinary man, that he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Because he would have fooled massive amounts of people in saying who he was. When they ask him who he is, he says, I am, claiming divinity. No one else has ever done that before. And so his words are backed up now by his actions. His words are now backed up by the very way in which he is about and has risen from the dead. And this is what we have to understand, that this is what separates us from every other world religion that's out there, is that there's the belief that this man, this Jesus, whom we have come to know and to love and to serve, this man who has loved us to the extreme, now says, I don't want to be without you. I don't want to have death hold me bound. I'm going to rise from the dead. And I'm going to walk the face of the earth for 40 days. And then on that day, I'm going to rise up to the Father and go and open up the gates of heaven on Ascension Sunday. Because what's going to happen is that Jesus says, I want to love you to the end and to the extreme. And I don't want to be without you for all of eternity. And so the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus and Ascension, he opens up the gates of heaven. But the resurrection is where our pivotal point is. What happened in the life of Jesus in those three days when he was in the tomb? Ever thought about that? We, we say it every day in the creed, right? I don't know. Was he just like taking a siesta? He was like, whew, that's been a pretty rough couple of days. I'm just kind of tired. What was he doing? Well, his work wasn't completed. We say in the creed that he descended into hell. That the resurrection of Jesus descends into the very pits of hell. And he goes and he shows to the demons that he's conquered the ancient sin. That ancient curse of sin which is death. And he goes and shows his wounds to all the demons in hell. He also went to the realm of the dead. Abraham's bosom, we might call it. Right? And he goes and he begins to revealed to all those who have gone before him, the ancient prophets, Elijah, Elisha, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, King David, John the Baptist. All the ancient prophets and the ones that died before him, they were not yet in heaven because the gates of heaven weren't open. Jesus had not come and conquered and opened up the gates of heaven. So he goes and he begins to preach to them. I could just imagine John the Baptist, right? The one who was the one sent to make straight the way of the Lord, to proclaim the, wor the word and prepare a path for the Lord. I can imagine John the Baptist as he hears the footsteps of Jesus coming. Just imagine what he must have been thinking and telling to the other guys, guys, he's coming. The Messiah is coming. Make straight his path. He's here. He is risen. He has come to set us free from Abraham's bosom so we can go and enjoy all of eternity and the bliss of heaven to receive our reward. I can only imagine what that must have been like for them. 
There's an ancient homily that I want to quote for you. I don't normally read stuff, but this is worth reading. And it speaks to us of what the demons must have experienced whenever Jesus went into the depths of hell, into Hades. This homily comes to us from the 4th century. See, this is the cool thing about being Catholic. We got history. We got this guy. His name is St. Ephenius. Fun name. Don't ever name your kid that. Um, St. Ephenius. Goes back to the 4th century. He lived in like the year 315. All right? This homily, whenever we printed it out, was like 12 pages. <laughs> that had been a long homily. I'm just going to read you an excerpt from it. Listen to the wisdom of the saints that have gone before us. He's explaining what happened when Jesus descended into hell. These are the actions of the demons. Listen up. Now just as before, a fearsome, invincible, all-powerful, regal, trophy-bearing battle array, terror and panic and pangs of death seized the enemies of an unconquerable king. So and more so it befell those evil beings in Hades at the sudden, most strange coming of Christ into the netherworld. The blinding bolt of lightning from above darkened the continents of the hostile powers of Hades, and they heard thunder-like voices and angelic hosts proclaiming, Lift up your gates, O Prince. Do not merely open them, but lift them from the foundations. Uproot them. Remove them so that they never again be closed. Lift up your gates, O ye prince. And as soon as the angelic host cried out these things, straightway the gates were raised up, straightway the bonds were loosened, straightway the bars were broken, straightway the bolts fell away, straightway the foundations of the dungeon quaked, straightway the hostile powers were turned to flight, one pushing the other, one impeding the other, one exclaiming to the other, flee. They were terrified. They were shaken. They were awestruck. They were confounded. They were altered. They were frightened. They were dumbstruck and stupefied, confused and made to quake. One demon stood a gap. Another between his knees hid his head. Another laid prostrate. Another, like one dead, was motionless. Another was possessed by awe. Another laid with altered continence. And another fled to the inner regions. And these demons began to exclaim, Who is this King of glory? Who is this King of glory? The Lord, the Almighty, the victorious in war. He is the King of glory. It is the Lord of all who we celebrate today. This King of glory who did not let, did not let death hold Him bound. This King of glory whom we come to worship today. He is the King of glory. This King of glory whose name resounds through all of the earth and makes all of hell tremble. This name which is a name above every other name. So that the name of Jesus every knee must bend in the heavens and the earth and under the earth and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the name above all other names. He is victorious. He is the mighty conqueror. He is the God hero. He is the Prince of Peace and He is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. And He has crushed Satan's head this day. That stone that is rolled away from the tomb proves to us that He is who He says He is. 
that He is the God-man. And with that, my brothers and sisters, it changes everything. Because in our own lives, whenever we have those moments where those demons that we fight, that you and I fight every day, that come up and they begin to taunt us and say, there's no way you can overcome this. You've been battling with this for years. There's no way that you can be set free from that. Just be held bound in those bondages, those those addictions, those things that we struggle with. Whenever those demons come up into our hearts, my friends, we don't have to give in to those. Jesus Christ, the power of God, resides within us. So where those, those areas in our hearts, where those, those, the death, the tomb, the sin is there, we don't have to roll that stone in front of it and say, God, you can't go there. No. The hope of the resurrection tells us that we can roll that stone away from our hearts, those parts that we've locked up and said, Lord, I'm just going to let those just sit there. Let that just linger there because I'm not going to deal with those things in my heart. You see, that's not the way Christians work. We are people who says, Lord, come into that part of my heart. That part which is broken, that has been the stench of sin that's in there. Lord, come in and be Lord over that. Come in and conquer that. Come in and be king of kings over that part of my heart and resurrect that part in my heart. You see, that's the reality of what we live, my friends. The resurrection of Christ. And so in those times in our lives, whenever we experience those demons taunting us, mocking, making us feel like we can't overcome these things, picture, if you will, in your mind, the resurrected Jesus in front of you, and picture Him with His hands wide open to you, with the scars proving His love and His power, that He loved you to the end and will not stop halfway. Picture Him standing before you with those glorious wounds, and then take those demons that we battle with and place them in His hands. And then at that moment, Know that Jesus will take those demons that we battle with and bring them back to the pits of hell where they belong. Amen.